0: All right, well, uh, welcome back to Soul Back. This is the R&B Podcast. Kyle here back with Tom, Ed, and sponsored by Reviews and Dunn, apparently. <laughs> What's going on here, Tom? That's our boy.
1: That's our boy, Derek Dunn, our guest for this episode. He'll be on here to join us later on.
2: Yeah, players. If you know Soul's, if you know Soul Back, Soul and Stereo, you know I Got Soul, The Cypher, you know Derek Dunn reviews and done he does his thing with music and movies so shout out to my boy glad he's coming through and we'll have him jump in to talk about some of his favorites in a minute
1: can i shout a few people who are on instagram live with us yep our boy music scribe is in the house our boy damon dunn is in the house laurence what time is it over there i see jonathan (laughs) b i see Tar Heels fan we got a few people in the house my son damon he
2: just celebrated a
1: birthday Oh,
2: happy birthday to
1: my boy! Did he, did he finally turn into a teenager? Sixteen! <laughs> Look at that! Wow,
0: guys! Um, before
1: we discuss 1992, it's it's a good time for R&B, guys. We just had a great event. We had Keisha Cole and the Shanti, Ed, you know, oh, going boy. on versus Ed. Oh, boy. hold on, hold Ed. on, hold on! Before you get Ed's opinion, before you get Ed's opinion, can I just give you my opinion? Can I tell you my favorite part of that of that whole show? Good luck. Yes. Ready? Okay. My favorite part. Just kidding. I didn't watch the thing. I have no idea.
0: <laughs> well, somebody <laughs> knocked that glass out of his hand. For, for the record, for the record, only one out of us three watched that thing. And it was me. True. And, and let me say, and I want the people to respond. I don't have Instagram open. So Tom, you're going to have to read the comments out. I just want to know from your guys' perspective, who won that versus battle? Because to me, it was a landslide. Just like I expected, Ashanti dominated that battle. But I want to see well, the responses.
1: I'm, I'm reading ju- the responses. They're great, by the way. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yes, I trust Derry, and he said it was boring. So if he said it was boring, it was boring. Well, I can only see the track list. In the track list, the second half, I don't know what Keisha was picking. She's picking the randomest songs ever. So Ashanti did whip her butt on that second half. That first half looked like a watch for Keisha, though.
1: Judging I'll by just the- say, let me clarify. I didn't watch, but I've never watched any versus battles, so that's just me. I don't watch TV. I don't watch movies, anything, so that's just normal. That this wasn't very a diss. True. We, very we true. definitely love Ashanti and Keisha Cole. That's not, Even though Keisha Cole has us blocked for no apparent reason, <laughs> uh, we still you, love them both. <laughs> you know why. Kyle just proved why. I, I love Keisha Cole. Finally. Finally, uh, wouldn't we already know who the winner was before the thing even aired? Ashanti has a way stronger catalog. Why do we need to watch the Ashanti thing to know Ashanti
2: has a way stronger catalog. This is going to be a long night.
1: Ooh, what I do mean, you mean to me? You're
2: he a grown woman, say baby. How can he oh, it? How did you Oh my.
1: If, if you look at the hit per hit who has more hits I mean, that's not close.
0: That's oh. that's that was my point. Yeah, Ed, we're looking at hit per hit. Can yeah, I just say I'm in 2002? Can I just say one thing before we actually move on to our 1992 Well actually we have a chicken discussion but uh before we, <laughs> those are always oh. fun but before we get into the chicken discussion um mm-hmm. Ed the biggest problem with Keisha Cole on that battle aside from the fact that she was like 2 hours late was the fact that her her sequencing was terrible at the end.
2: You oh, I knew agree.
0: you knew Ashanti had Foolish and always on time in that pocket, ready to come out. And what does Keisha Cole come out with? The Remy Ma song. And not even the one on Remy Ma's album. Because the one on Remy <laughs> Ma's album is like a five-star song. Oh, but she puts boy. out the one with French Montana and Remy Ma. And then He was
2: like, I'm like and man, the other you song, your favorite song? Because
0: what are these songs? And the other song was a new song that no one's ever heard before.
2: Well, I want to hear, because apparently she and Ashanti had new songs. I want to check those out. So I will go back and do that at some point. I forgot about that until you just mentioned it. But yes. no, I agree. When it comes to that track list, Keisha was struggling. But if we are <laughs> talking about overall career, well, I will gladly put on my Keisha records before well, my
0: I have one more point to make on that about the versus battle because you know people like you say the overall battle matters from the first song all the way to the last song. Let me I pass do. it over to Tom. For most people that watch sports, <laughs> do they not only watch the last five minutes oh, of the game? He's actually right. You gotta save the best for last. You can't yeah. just play the biggest hits first.
2: Oh that I agree. It doesn't make any sense. I agree. And I exactly. agree poorly, but I'm a guy that goes from front to back, the rooter to the tutor, to the beginning to the end. And I saw no. a whole bunch of whackness at the beginning. <laughs>
0: Anyways, <laughs> um, all right, so we're here to talk about 1992 today. Um, I'll tell you what, Tom, we'll talk about the chicken later. We'll call it the chicken intermission. But Oh,
1: man, the chicken intermission. All right, Exciting
0: times. But 1992, guys, God. I put out the collages. New Jack Swing is still full in effect. But people like Mary J. Blige are starting to blossom. TLC starting to come in. Ed, paint the picture for us. 1992. How old were you? What were you doing? And were you allowed to listen to R&B at that age?
2: (laughs) (laughs) Yes, I was allowed to listen to R&B at that age. I mean, it wasn't like we were getting the suggestive songs. Well, SWE was talking about downtown. We'll get to that later on. But (laughs) I I guess I was like 11 or 12 at that point. So young, young egg going on here. But I still had my finger a little bit on the pulse this is a very interesting year and I know this is the year we're probably going to wrap up a lot of our yearly discussions. And the reason why this is kind of a good year to cap it off is because this is the year to me where we really see the last throws of new Jack swing and going into hip hop soul. And as most of you know, on this chat and watching us live or listening to us on your podcast, streaming choice service of choice, this is the era that kind of laid the foundations for the hip hop soul era that a lot of y'all love when it comes to the late 90s R&B and the late nine and early 2000s R&B. Even in the Keisha and the and the Ashantis that we mentioned earlier, a lot of that foundation was laid in this era right here. We'll talk about some big, big albums that really set the ground. And at the time, we didn't know. At the time, we're just like, oh, here's this new sound. It's coming in. We like it. But we little did we know that it would really start to change the landscape going forward for the next really twenty thirty years.
1: Well, I was um, I was eight going on nine that year, so a lot of these albums I had to catch later on revisit. Yep. Let me ask you this, Ed: Was R and B pop at the time? Were they playing R and B hits on pop radio?
2: Um, a little bit, definitely more than now, but not as strong as it would be a couple years later when we get to Boyz II Men, Mariah. Yeah. TLC they'll be dominating a couple years down the road but it wasn't it wasn't obscure they hear as random as it sounds men at large of all people (laughs) popping up on pop radio because the crossover it just wasn't as hard and fast as it is now so there was a little bit it would get much bigger but this is where we saw the foundation laid
1: gotcha men of vision pop radio
0: I mean, I did the collage <laughs> earlier and there's a lot of great albums that we can really talk about. I'm purposely, guys, going to not talk about the Bobby Brown album because Derek Dunn, who's our guest and New Edition's number one fan, will probably spend for 20 real, minutes on he it. Uh, but Ed, I just
1: mentioned something about Bobby Brown, though, actually, in this yes. era. I want to ask Ed, actually, mm-hmm. because people, I mean, I was too young to realize, obviously, but people would always say, Bobby Brown was Usher before there was an Usher. Was that the case in, in 92 still? I know, Bobby, this was kind of the end of his run a bit as a solo artist, but was he considered Usher at the time?
2: If you're going to compare, it's hard to compare directly, but if you're going to make a comparison, I can kind of buy that because he was the total package as far as a performer. Incredible songs, incredible stage presence, incredible choreography. He could do it all, and that's really what Usher would kind of bring into the the next stage of his career not 94 but when we get later on into the 90s and in the 2000s so in that sense of all the artists of this era yes he's the most assure of that and then later on we'll have cousin chris but yeah i can get that and even though this album i don't give away too much about this album this is kind of like the last of the big bobby era mm. not a bad comparison
0: do you guys think Because my prerogative is on this album, right? Yeah. Is that
2: this one or the last
0: one? I think it's on this one. I I thought it was this one. Yeah. Has that song lasted? Because that was a big, big song. I I know that song. I have
2: no idea. That thing was everywhere. (laughs) I hated that song because they played it so much. (laughs) <laughs> but yeah, absolutely. That song has lasted and it's become one of his signature hits because of that legacy. When a lot of artists talk about now, I'm sorry. Sorry, Derek, I'm stepping on you. I'm stealing your thunderdog. <laughs> mm-hmm. But so many people, you know, talk Bobby, the king of R&B. The reason why, even though I still think that's a stretch, the reason why is because that foundation was laid here this year and a couple years prior. When it comes to mainstream face of R&B, it was Bobby. He was doing it. That would change pretty quickly, starting with some of the people who will be debuting this year. But, yep, I think at the time, he was kind of the face.
1: Uh, we were incorrect, actually. My prerogative was on the previous album in 89. I oh. thought so. I need to slip <laughs> with my guns. I was so like, what was, was this album? I was eight years Wait, old. What do you need to ask me
0: about? It. What's on this album, then?
1: Humping around.
0: Um, yes, humping around. Theo okay, Sullivan yes. Mentioned. That's correct. Yes. Yeah. All right, well, never mind. I, no, I saw a
1: comment here from Jonathan B. Chris Brown is like Bobby. Usher is like MJ.
0: No, I think no, I think it's like flipped because Usher idolized Bobby Brown. I feel more Usher
2: and Bobby, and yeah. more MJ and because MJ and Chris definitely. But you can still take elements of both because yeah, yeah, there exactly. are elements that are sprinkled into it, so it's not direct, yep. but yeah, you know, it is what it is. I just see more MJ and cousin
1: Chris. Anyway. I could never hear MJ singing these Jose ain't loyal, could you guys? Uh, <sighs> absolutely not. But I will say though, I have always said if
2: anybody could make
1: trap work, I
2: guarantee you Michael could. He could adapt to anything.
1: Because he would have done it with grace. You know, yes. it would have been classy.
2: He would have done it, but he would have made it his own. It would have sounded yeah. like think about the dangerous album. He made New Jack's soul, I mean New Jack Swing, sound like Michael. Michael wasn't yeah. sounding like Oh, he just sounds like guy. Like no one said that because he made it his own.
0: Yeah. Sorry, Ed. I'm looking at the do- notes you provided us with. It says Bobby Brown's Bobby album drop with singles like my prerogative. Ooh, oh, Ed. That was your fault, really? right? Yeah. I'm looking at well,
2: it. Well, I much. must have been sipping on what Tom was sipping on then, if I say that.
1: But yeah, that <laughs> Cheers, was not bros. that album. I was watching the Drink Drink Champs podcast recently. I feel inspired, guys. I'm about to be on one. Oh, boy.
0: Okay. Uh, this will be one. <laughs> Can we talk about a couple of soundtracks here? The Boomerang soundtrack and the Bodyguard soundtrack. Ed, aren't these like two of, if not the most legendary soundtracks that we have when it comes to to 90s R&B?
2: We have talked a little bit before about how strong soundtracks were, and they would definitely be more. I mean, they would have an even bigger legacy going forward into the 90s. But those two here specifically remember we talked about albums that it seemed like everybody had everybody's mama had the bodyguard soundtrack my mom didn't have very many cassettes not cds Mm. but cassettes around 90 because this kind of time she was probably getting out of music but she had that bodyguard soundtrack for sure for sure so that one was huge another platform for whitney to just continue this incredible legacy that she had with her career and boomerang to me one of the greatest soundtracks of all time we talked couple weeks ago about the legacy of waiting to exhale boomerang is right up there with it it's 1a 1b is called as far as like great soundtracks
1: let me ask you guys a question was in the in this time whitney considered an r&b artist because i feel like that that's almost an unfair categorization
2: well it's funny but it's funny you say that because early on like early early 80s whitney there was some hesitance. People were seeing her as a pop artist. To yes. me, she started drifting over into kind of hip-hop when she started with the, um, what's the song called? With My Baby Tonight. That mm. album was the one that kind of made her a little bit more R&B. So by now, I think she was accepted in it. I don't remember anyone. Again, I'm younger. I wasn't as in tune to the community as I am now, of course. But I don't remember any pushback like there was early on in her career.
0: Gotcha. I mean, some big joints on here. I Will Always Love You. I Have Nothing. I really like I Have Nothing. I'm not a big fan of I Will Always Love You. That song is, like, too sad.
2: I like Every Woman was
0: on here. All of those songs,
2: man. I love them, but also, they were just played so much. Yeah. I'm mm-hmm. like, oh, my gosh. Yeah. I, I recognize and appreciate the artistry, but, y'all, if I never heard it again, I'd be cool.
1: <laughs> here we go. Jonathan B., she was pop but transition to R&B because black people didn't like her as a pop artist in the eighties. That's it's interesting. It's
2: interesting no, that's interesting. I do definitely remember that conversation.
0: Now, Tom, let's talk about in Vogue. You had a chance to speak to Dawn from in Vogue. She reflected on this time, such a big moment for R&B, such a big moment from in Vogue. Like what did you take away from your conversation with Dawn about this album?
1: This is the last one she was on. Is that, is that right guys?
0: No,
2: no, she was in um, she was in the later thought, album,
0: sort of. She, that's, I thought she was only in the first two.
2: No, because she was definitely on um, the set it off soundtrack song.
1: Gotcha. Someone but could maybe fact fact check me in the uh, yeah, yeah,
2: in the Instagram. Yeah, I thought she was still here early on. It was like the recording of that last yeah, album. Exactly. I think is yeah. when she started to yeah. dip out.
0: Yeah, so some gotcha. of her vocals are still on. That album, but she's not on the album cover.
2: Right, that's when she yeah. was pulling out, but she still had input in the album.
0: Yeah.
1: So this album was really important to her. I mean, she started doing the group with her and um, the other member that broke away is uh, the Maxine. Mm-hmm. As they called themselves themselves Funky Divas, because you know this album kind of categorized them as you know with that title. Man, people sometimes forget And Vogue was kind of, of, of the girl groups in the 90s, they were kind of the first one out of the gate. I think they came out, it might have been like the late, eight, late in 89, I can't remember exactly the date, but I feel, I, I told Don. I feel like they set the foundation of it for some of the other groups that come in after. We're going to talk about SWV in a bit on the show, and I know that they were even influenced by En Vogue. So,
2: yeah,
1: I mean, to me, this is a monumental album. I'd probably, I think I'm going to call this one their best, Ed. I don't know where you put it.
2: Yeah, I agree. I think it's their best and it's their signature album. Um, as folks have said in the comments, now they've jawed my memory. They're right. She was on Don't Let Go. And then yeah. as they were working on that album, that's when she pieced out. So mm-hmm. yep. by the time that one came out in 97 or so, she was gone. But anyway, yeah, I think this one is one that if you're a fan of that at the time, you really respect and remember how huge In Vogue was. Yeah. If you were a fan later on in the 90s, that impact was kind of gone because Dawn had gone and there was like a new generation taking over. But in the early 90s, they were the girl group. Like we'll talk about some others who debuted this year who would have a strong decade. But at this point in time, they were really the standard that was set. And when we look back, sometimes we don't give them enough credit that they deserve for having that very strong portion of the year and had hit sprinkled throughout. But I, they got to be at the top of the list for 90s groups, not the very top. But got to be top five for sure.
0: Well, they have a—I would say—the second most legendary Coca-Cola commercial. Tyrese is his first, but <laughs> and Vogue had a Coca-Cola commercial that lets you know how big they were. I remember, yes. So that's pretty cool stuff. That that just lets you know because, like, when we look back at it now, people might not realize just how big some of these groups were. And that's why we tend to label them as washed up or or have fallen off. But there was a period of time. These artists, man, they were they were big.
2: Oh, my gosh. Don't get me fussing about the falling off conversation. I was arguing earlier today with someone because I was like, I hate how, unfortunately, the way we look at music is so different today. Mm -hmm. If you aren't doing something right now or if you don't. Also, I feel like along with that, when artists kind of come on, well, we were actually talking about Aaliyah, and this has kind of come up before in an earlier episode, how Aaliyah started out as a solid artist, got bigger, bigger, bigger. We lost her too soon. Unfortunately, today, if you don't start out at this top level, oh, you watch it fell off. <laughs> and if you don't maintain that top level, oh, yeah. you watch it fell off. Like, we don't give time, artists, to grow, and we don't go back and look back and say, Man, they had a really good career. Things might be slow now, but they, pay, they paved the way. So show love to the ground, those who paved the way, those who laid the groundwork, to the legends and architects of what we love. Just show them love before they die. Mm. Don't wait till BT does something after they die.
1: <laughs> <laughs> and shout to En Vogue, their last album. They're still doing it, you know, with the three members. Their last album was actually really good as well. So they're still doing it at a high level. Yeah, that was one of the
2: last groups I saw on tour before everything shut down. And they were great. Mm -hmm. They were fantastic.
0: Mm -hmm. Uh, A couple more albums I want to mention here. Uh, We have El DeBarge. He dropped an album this year. Tom, I know you're a huge El DeBarge fan. Um, (laughs) Sade. Ed, I see this Sade album on on my Twitter like every other day. My opinion, it's her best album, and she's Mm -hmm. one of those artists. We were talking on on
2: Facebook in the Soul and Stereo Cypher. Come join us if you haven't. And Mm -hmm. we were talking about artists who have had just like a run with no bad albums. Artists who have had all albums that are essentially four stars and above. And to me, she's one of them because I consider this her best, but none of her albums slip. None of them are weak, and this one is a signature one for her. Definitely one of the best of the year.
1: Mm-hmm. Pet peeve alert, guys. Sade is actually the name of a band. Sade happens to be the lead singer of that band.
0: That's, that's
1: <laughs> no, that's true.
0: That's, that's true. true. <laughs> that's that is true. My bad. <laughs> Just want to clear clear that up. They but also need to also, come back with it. There's also a woman, so it's it's, it's yes. Cool. Well, in 2021, every she is a day anyway. So,
1: oh my gosh,
0: <laughs> let's skip over that before we get canceled it's true um after seven dropped the project in 1992 after seven has been doing it for a while now tom
1: yeah their last album was another one that was really good as well Um, it was and uh they took that was after a long hiatus so yeah i don't remember a lot about this album though ed what did you think
2: no this one is one i haven't heard in forever so Mm -hmm. i can't even kind of weigh in on this one but Again, have you heard a bad after seven album? No, that's true. So I guarantee you that even then it was a quality. This is one I'm sure I listened to forever and a day ago, but it's after seven. It ain't going to be bad.
0: (laughs) And then, guys, a couple of New Jack swing artists that came out swinging in 1992. Wow. (laughs) Unintended. I'll be sure. High five. And Ed's boy, Tom, you'll be happy about this one chucky booker chucky, chucky i've been booker? waiting for this
2: one i've been oh, waiting no. for chucky
0: <laughs> was this the it's... nice
2: and wild album because that yep. album yep. was good that is a great album i know we joke about chucky but make sure if you are up on chucky and you're just like let me see what's what this guy is that they're joking about he's not a meme he's actually pretty great take some time this week go check out that album check out games my man had a lot of talent, and he's one of those artists that I felt like just did not get the love he deserved. He's somebody that could have transitioned, in my opinion, well into the late part of the 90s, for sure.
0: Yeah, And high great. five. Mm-hmm. Oh, sorry. Go ahead, Kyle. Yeah, I was going to say, no one really talks about Chucky e. Booker anymore as one of the guys from the early 90s. No, and they should because, he,
2: again, he, was one, he wasn't somebody that like, made this huge, huge impact, but he was just so good for the time. Another one, Glenn Lewis. Not Glenn Lewis. Glenn Lewis. Oh my gosh, that's Tom's boy, Glenn Lewis. <laughs> mm. <laughs> Glenn Jones. My bo- to me, another one of like wow. the best vocalists of all time. They just does not get the love that he deserves. Another one who had a great album this year. There's so many hidden gems in '92.
1: Mm. I got a shout out though. High five. Rest in peace to Tony Thompson. Yes. And this album had she's playing hard to get and quality time on it. And yep. a little known fact, I found that when reading about this album. It had the first appearance of Faith Evans on it. I didn't know that. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Wow. All the way back in 92.
0: That's good stuff. Uh, Let's get into some rookies here if we can. All right. Uh, I'm going to name them. I think I missed a couple. One that I definitely missed on the collage because I didn't have enough space was Immature. They were doing it in 1992, guys. 1992. It, it, immature is so funny to me because,
2: again, music is so relative. We we're talking about this on the site for this week, too, about how and we're talking about with the Ashanti thing. How, like, if you were coming up and, like, if you were, like, 10, 11, 12 in 2002, Ashanti seemed as big as freaking Whitney because she was just huge and she related to her. The girls in my class, I've talked about this before. You could sworn the Immature was the Jackson 5. They mm. were all <laughs> over these weird little boys with eye patches and weird hair. The ladies loved them. Immature was doing And they would go on. I, they annoyed me at the time because, of course, they did. Because I'm a young dude. It's like, why are you girls screaming over this other young dude? But <laughs> as they would go on, they would become pretty good with some great songs. And as you know, your boy Marcus Houston did this thing as well.
0: Yep. Uh, I'm just going to name off the ones that I do have on the collage. I believe Portrait should have been on this collage, too. I'll let Derek Dunn Oh, no. About you
1: left them out? Oh, no. You're going to yeah. feel that pain from someone we know. I think that's oh, why he yeah. ignored our
0: message. But the ones I do have on the collage, <laughs> I have Brian McKnight, who doesn't even look like Brian McKnight in the album cover. <laughs> he looks like a baby. Yeah. He's young! Uh, Shantae, Shantae Moore, Mary J. Blige, Ugh. Shy, SWV, TLC, Jade, Ed's favorite group, Silk, Mm -hmm. and Public Announcement, and R. Kelly.
1: What a freaking year for rookies. Wow. What a rookie year Mm -hmm. that is. Like, (laughs) legit legends would
2: come from this class in 92. Like, that's an incredible year.
0: I mean, Ed, before we get started, I know you do a Whatever Happened To segment on Mm -hmm. stereo.com where you go back, you find these artists that were once big, and maybe they're not on the mainstream anymore. Maybe they just have a day job. Where is public announcement in 2021?
2: I would like to answer that question. And maybe maybe they need to be next on the list because I have not heard from those brothers in a minute. And Mm -hmm. if I were them, I would probably lay low too, considering who they're tied to. Mm. But at the time, (laughs) at the time, they were another group. Now, they weren't on the pinnacle because, as we've said, 92 was some stiff competition. But, I mean, they had so much promise. And the singer who was backing them up as well was giving them a lot of juice in that end. He went solo and did his thing. But public announcement for sure was turning heads at this time.
0: So let's get started with these rookies here. I mean, we got to talk about Mary J. Blige. What's the 411? Iconic album. Game-changing album, Tom. Let's talk about this Mary album. What do you like about Classic it? Classic album, one of my favorites of all time. I still don't know if I call it her best. I mean, it's my
1: personal favorite of hers, probably, but really? I really have to. No, I don't, because that's another one. I don't think it's a no skip. Mm. I think either My Life or um, what's the third one called? Against Share My, my World. Yeah, Share My World. Yeah, I'd have to. I'd have to look, but it's close. But iconic album and really a game changer and i think this album has influenced so many people after it you know it came right in in the tail end of new jack swing fit in perfectly she was able to you know take that success and you know transition her sound even further from here but man i love to put this album on just feel good up tempo jams you know the, the slow jams as well it's a banger right there ed
2: Well, there are songs that we've talked about before where you just know it's a hit and it's like you remember where you were the first time you heard it. I remember when Real Love came out. My friend was over at my house after school and Mm -hmm. he was like, you got to hear this new song. It's called Real Love, Mary J. Blige. You got to hear it. It's like the craziest song. So this was like seventh grade or something. And it was so funny because like an hour later we had MTV on in the background and we saw the video for the first time. And again, like looking back at it now, you might not think it's anything big and special, Mm -hmm. but the sound was so different and the energy was so different. And I'll never forget watching them doing Dancing in the Street with the Timbs. And I'm like captivated. And to me, this isn't even the best song on the album, but there was something about the sound that was so different than what we were hearing at the time with New Jack Swing. And as I've said before. New Jack Swing had really worn out his welcome with me by now. Everything sounded the same. I was bored with it. That's why I wasn't a huge, huge music fan at this time. I just kind of liked it casually. But that real love will always stick with me. It being a turning point in my fandom because I was like, man, this is so different and so cool. And she followed up with that with this album. I agree with Tom. I don't think it's her best album. I mm-hmm. still think it's very close to five stars. I wouldn't give it five stars, four and a half. Very, very good album, but when it definitely stands to test the test of time.
1: So I've been I've been challenged to name what song, which yes. songs I skip if I can just mention those real quick. I'm looking at my iTunes ratings here. Slow down, changes I've been going through, and what's the four one one are not my favorite songs on the album. Mm. I like and changes
2: I, I've been going through. I agree with the other two.
1: Yeah,
0: so there you go. But you remind me. Now that's a great song. Yes. Five stars, five star song right there. That is a five star song. Um, let's talk about SWV's debut because this is one. And this lets you now, lets you know how great this debut album was. We had posted the collage. We asked the people, what album are they still listening to and loving today? Jimmy Jam from the legendary group, <laughs> Jimmy Jam and Terry Lewis said SWV's <laughs> debut. You have week on here. You have right here, Can't Forget About the Human Nature remix, which a Pharrell, a young Pharrell Williams was ad-libbing on that. And just so many big records on here. This was a big moment for R&B, Ed.
2: Man, going back and looking at his track list, and the thing that hits me the most is how many singles came from this one album. How many singles do we get? Do we even get a single today? I know it's a totally (laughs) different landscape but like they got so much juice out of this album like i remember y'all are too young most of you on this on this um stream are too young to know this downtown was the most scandalous song in the history (laughs) of scandals at the time (laughs) because i mean it was innuendo it was subtle it was subtle enough that it wasn't overt but you knew what they were talking about and it was like (gasps) this song is so nasty So they were able to kind of step out and do some things, push some boundaries a little bit. But they also had, again, that Mary J. Blige energy, where it was a different vibe from New Jack Swing. It was a little like New Jack Swing, but a nice right turn into a sound that was a little bit more soulful. Shout out to Brian Alexander Morgan for doing this thing, all up and down that album. So many great songs. And I kind of agree with Jimmy Jam. This joint, I go back to a lot. Their best album, in my opinion.
1: And when you talk about the song Weak, I mean, tell me a song in the nineties that had more emotion in it or will make you feel something than that one. What a what a song right there.
2: Well yeah, let really me like tell that. you a song in the nineties that you heard more at a talent show than that one. <laughs> yeah. Every
0: girl who could have yeah, a sing yeah.
2: was singing that thing.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Not say, an easy one to pull off though. Mm-mm. But everyone will try. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I would say it's that record when we talk about R&B and the D'Angelo record. How does it feel? Everyone covers those two songs. Uh, Everyone. Your
2: vocals better be on point or it'll be a rough three or four minutes.
0: They're usually not, but people do try. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Guys, let's talk about TLC's debut album here. Ain't Too Proud to Beg, Baby, Baby, Baby. Some big records. They were young at the time, but this was just the start to a legendary career absolutely and once again this is another one well this one's a little bit more
2: new jack swing than the last two that we mentioned but they brought something new to the table because i always something my wife told me always stuck with me they were the first group that she heard from her generation that was really speaking on issues that really affected her and she felt like they were really speaking for her mm-hmm. so they were able to tlc has always been big in women's empowerment and it started with this album by connecting with young girls of the early 90s. And a lot of these songs, again, were, I mean, they were running around with condoms strapped on themselves. I'm telling you, I was so young, I didn't know what a condom was. I thought it was like an egg yolk in her glasses. And mm. I was like, what is that? I just no. thought it was some prop. But these were things that they were able to talk about, sexuality and things that were kind of taboo in the early 90s. I know y'all are doing whatever with your wop now. But at the time, this was big things. That was a big transition. And while this, they were going to have many albums, not many albums, at least a couple albums better than their debut. It was still a very, very strong entry point for them.
1: It's interesting because I rarely ever hear songs from this album replayed yeah. at any yeah. point. And I'm looking at the singles Ain't Too Proud to Beg, Baby, 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 What About Your Friends and Hat to the Back, which to me are all really good songs. Yeah. I never hear them. Another interesting thing I want to point out about this album, it was released on LaFace and L.A. Reid and Babyface. I believe we're only on one song. I found that kind of interesting, but a young Dallas Austin oh, yes. handled the majority of the production. Uh, so I found that interesting that they weren't, that L.A. Reid and Babyface weren't more hands-on with love their own
0: projects here. Hey, gotta go. I don't know why. You got to go with what works. Yeah. And it worked. Ed, it's finally time to talk about your favorite group of all time. Oh, we're going to do it? So, you got to put it in perspective for us. Your favorite artist of all time is who? Oh, uh, King Keith Sweats. No so, doubt. when this group came out, Silk, and Keith was all over this album, and you could hear Keith's penmanship, you can hear his sound,
2: <laughs> mm-hmm.
0: but you hear singers that are probably better than Keith. Wait a I minute. Mean, look, oh, I, Come on, Little G?
2: I'm I'm
0: not going to debate that. Keep going before I throw my bottle. Dude, Little G is like one of the greatest vocalists. Of all
2: time, I would put it up there. Yeah, I I
0: would too. So when you hear these singers singing Keith records, but taking it up to another level because of their vocal capabilities, how are you processing this in 1992?
2: Let me tell you why, and this is going to blow your mind, because at the time in 92 and especially this album like going into 93, 94, because remember, I'm more of a casual fan. I didn't like this album because Keith was on it. I liked it because I loved the sound. I loved the way it was written. I loved the way it was produced. So after the fact, mm. I found out my boy Keith was the one that did it. That proves that I don't have a Keith bias because I didn't know Keith penned or wrote or produced these songs, mm. but I love his sound so much that my ears were like, this is dope. And then I realized that that dopeness was coming from one dope dude when at the time I didn't know that. So I was a fan of Keith before I even knew Keith did this record. And he, as you said, he's up and down this whole thing. I think he did everything but like one or two songs. Mm. So This is definitely a key project all the way down to the interlude at the beginning. So I love it because it has the Keith sound. But these brothers be singing. They be singing on this thing.
1: Shout out to our boy John John. Now Ed, there is a trivia time. You ready for this trivia question? Okay. Track number two, "Happy Days" featuring Keith Sweat. Who rapped on the song?
2: Oh my gosh! I know this because I'm a Batman fan. Some weirdo named the Riddler.
1: No. Oh. <laughs> now, do we need to bring up the picture of Ed as the Riddler?
2: Oh my gosh! Again. <laughs> <laughs>
0: You were rapping we on the did. song,
2: Ed? I wish.
0: I wish I didn't have my Riddler cane then, but I can, I can
2: replay the rap.
0: Actually, let's do another R&B trivia here. Name all the members of Silk. This should be oh, easy for you.
2: No, Dead. I can't do that,
0: player. What? Look, no, I can't do that. You have little G? Well, I got little G. Isn't there I a big G? I got John John. There's a big G too, right?
2: Yes, there's a big G. Timzo. Timzo is who I always forget. So we got little G, big G john 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 timzo not guy like jimmy or something
0: yeah J- yeah jimmy yeah yeah okay. yeah I've met i him always before. forget
2: timzo that's who i forget all the time shout out timzo no offense brother love all y'all i yeah. just forget
0: you shout outs to timzo um uh, good guy too i've met him really good guy i've met the whole group they're all really nice uh let's talk about a couple of other albums here um I really wanted to give a shout-out to Shantae Moore because a lot of people were raving about this album. And just as an artist, Tom, super underrated. But her vocals, like she can go toe-to-toe with anybody.
1: Super talented vocalist, great artist. She's another one who's still releasing quality music even to this day. Geez, we're almost 30 years later. And uh, she deserves a lot of credit. Ed, did you like this one? I
2: This is another one that I didn't listen to at the time. I listened to it kind of later. And I remember I listened to it because I had a friend in... And- Man, it was like sixth or seventh grade. Oh, seventh grade. I met him in seventh grade. Yeah, this is seventh grade for me. So it's coming back to me. Like, this dude was obsessed with Shantae. He thought she was the finest thing ever. And Mm. to this day, he still talks about that. So I listened to this album because of his standing and crushing. But yeah, it's a great album. And Shantae is another one of those artists that I feel like throughout the 90s, a lot of these years that we've talked about, we've kind of mentioned, oh, and Shantae had an album. We kind of move on to the next. Nine times out of 10, that album that we just kind of gloss over is pretty good. Mm -hmm. So she's another one. I think if you're interested, go check out all of her stuff. She's very solid. I like kind of her late 90s stuff. Those kind of sit with me more. But this early
0: stuff, man,
2: some hits on it.
0: And Tom, Jade, you had a chance to interview the group a couple years back. And like this album, people love this album, but they couldn't quite make it through that transitional period after New Jack Swing had died. But at the time, Jade had a lot of fans.
1: Yes. Yeah. I don't Crazy. know why they would what, what have. I don't really know the story of what happened to them. I didn't really catch on. But at the time, they were, you know, right there. One of the bigger groups.
2: Yeah. I I don't want to speak definitively on it. I almost kind of hate to say it because, you know, we're seen as experts and I don't want to be starting rumors. But at the time, it was just like there were just rumors of infighting and they just couldn't get along. And, you know, the stereotypes of old oh, girl groups can't stay together. And it's going to be something. So it's always that drama that circulates around it. I don't know if that's really true because I don't remember the backstory. But at the time, it was kind of like they fell off because they broke apart with infighting. But at the time, they were really another one of those groups. In hindsight, it's kind of like, oh, it, it wasn't a big deal. But in 92, if we were talking about rookies, they would be very high on the list. They were very, very big.
1: Mm-hmm. The Ashanti of 92,
2: Kyle.
1: Wow. Oh, relax. Kyle, can I tell you a group who has always remained together through the years? Silk? Nope. No. No, the group, <laughs> no not members, silk. The group members of the Soul Back podcast. That is true. <laughs> <Not> true. <laughs> that <laughs> is true. That is true.
0: It's us and Jagged Edge. Years. It's us and Jagged <laughs> Edge. <laughs> we have
2: oh, none of us have gone to jail yet. We're good. Uh, oh boy,
0: calm down. Uh, Brian McKnight dropped an album. A lot of people don't even know that this is his debut album. Brian McKnight has been out for a long time. I think he's on like twenty-two albums now. So go check every single one of them. And lastly, Ed, we have to talk about the man we're not allowed to talk about.
2: No oh, more.
0: But what's interesting, guys, with this album, I I was reading an interview. From like way back, and R. Kelly said that pretty much he had to put R. Kelly and public announcement as a collective thing because groups were big at the time, and that's what the labels wanted. They wanted a Mm. group, they didn't want just a solo artist. So that's why this album, even though we talked about this last week, even though technically I would say that 12 Play is his debut album, this is the album that. that we first heard R. Kelly. So talk about this album, Ed.
2: It's just funny to me, going back to your point about the group thing. Again, it sounds weird to hear that now because I don't think we could name four groups right now in 2021. The year our Lord.
0: Wait. No, I've got Migos. (laughs) <laughs> no, I'm, I'm talking about
2: groups of quality and standard. Oh, OK. <laughs> not weirdos from Disney cartoons. Anyway, mm. <laughs> my point is, in the 90s, yes, that was the, like you had to come in as a group. And it sounds weird today because the dynamic is so different. It's just like, what's your Instagram looking like? We'll figure out the singing later. Like, What's your IG popping? Then we'll do that. But at the time, you had to have that group dynamic because that was what's selling. He broke out. And as we saw, you know, good for his career later on down the line. But this album, as I said a little bit earlier, I thought it was promising. I heard it. I don't think I heard it at the time. I think I heard it much later, maybe even after 12 play when I heard it. And I thought that it showed a lot of promise. But a lot of what we would know about R. Kelly going down the line kind of started more so with 12 play, whereas here he was getting his feet wet. But he kind of really branched out. But if you want to hear this album just for history's sake, check it out and you can see where the start of what he would become.
1: Mm -hmm. Minus The the, the thing about public announcement, my experience of them is driving to high school in 2000 and hearing their song on Hot 97 being played, Mamacita. Do you remember that? It was played like every morning. Yep, (laughs) I remember that.
0: (laughs) Crazy. Uh, And then lastly, I got to talk about Shy. If I ever fall in love. Isn't this like an acapella song? Yes,
2: man. And it was, listen. And it was a this hit. A, this was another song. I'm telling you, y'all, this is another song we talked about week. This is the male version of week. Brothers would get together. Again, what did we just say about groups? You had to have a group. Get your mm-hmm. boys together. If y'all could sing, post up on that talent show. And let me see if we could do shy. Because shy, and that's another one. The latest in 1992 they loved them some shy. That voice had them weak.
1: That's an amazing no thing. No by the way.
2: Mm-hmm. Shout,
0: shout out, out to, to Dark Child in the house. Oh, no, shout to out to Dark Child. Out. So. Shout out to Rodney Jerkins. Uh, but that's crazy if you think about that Shy record. You can't have an acapella song on the radio anymore.
2: <laughs> who do you want singing? See, now y'all can get me in trouble. But who do you want oh. singing acapella on our radio today?
0: I mean, there's people
1: that can do it. but just... I actually think they can do it. We just don't get a chance to hear them. In their full abilities. If I you think some honest.
2: can. Some, I think some. one or two,
1: maybe two.
2: But overall, take away that trap and you're sounding kind of rough.
0: Well, I'll tell you who can just because Dark Child's here. I got to mention him, Jack Ross. That's his artist. And yes, go check out Jack Ross. Jack Ross. That guy is a monster on the vocals. You guys I go check it. him out.
2: It's, look, I love me some vocals. Yes.
0: All right. So uh, we'll bring in Derek Dunn now. He's been uh, waiting. And it's a good time for Rodney to be joining us, too, because he actually commented and said in 1992 he was listening to that Bobby Brown album. So, Derek, are you there? Yep, I'm here. All right, Derek. Well, I appreciate you for joining us. Just let the people know how old you are, because uh, we've had a couple of 15-year-olds on this, po- <laughs> on this podcast. Oh, my God.
2: <laughs> He's 16 now.
1: <laughs> I turned the big four zero 0 in May. Wow. All right, Ed. We did it, man. We're not the the oldest ones anymore. Actually, I'm still the oldest by a few months.
2: Oh, oh. I forgot. I will (laughs) never be beaten. I'm sorry. But I've got my peer in the house. That's the main thing.
1: There you go. Mm
0: -hmm. So, man, Derek, you got to talk to us about this Bobby Brown album from your perspective. I purposely saved these last (laughs) five minutes, maybe 20 for you to talk about it. Where were you in your life when this Bobby Brown album came out? And is it a classic?
3: When the Bobby album dropped, that was summer of 92. I just moved to Huntsville, Alabama. My mom was in the military and she was going to Korea. So I decided to save my grandparents uh, down south. And the thing about the Bobby album is to caveat to what Ed was saying, it was kind of the end of his um, monster run. And I think what did Bobby in, unfortunately, was marrying Whitney and the delay that he did between albums, because even though he did seven million off of Don't Be Cruel, he waited four years to drop, you know, the next album. And you just couldn't do that unless you're Michael Jackson. You know, you can't take a four-year break. So the Bobby album, it's a good album. It's not a classic, but it's not a trash album. It's actually a very strong album. I revisited it about a month ago with um my guy Terrence went through track by track and it's a very strong album. I mean, he had Teddy on there producing. He had Babyface. um, The guys from Rexton Effect. The tour was crazy. You know, he had Shabba Ranks, TLC and Mary mm. opening up for him. You know, yeah, that's the album with Something in Common with Whitney. But it was just, I think the timing was off. Maybe 91 might have been a better look as opposed to 92 because, again, it was a four-year break and everything you guys have been saying the competition was just so strong in 92, not to mention Dangerous was, you know, out that same year. So he really couldn't be seen as the king of New Jack swing anymore.
0: As Ed said, Mike came in and took it to another level. Now, mm-hmm. yep. so, Derek, before we uh, before we go on to our rookie of the year and decide who's that, I want to ask you, man, uh, 1992, this is an album. This is a year that you really wanted to be a part of, you know, for this podcast, specifically 1992. Why that year? What, what makes 1992 such a standout year for you?
3: I mean, 92 for me is when groups were really just on fire. And you guys mentioned so many groups that were coming out. And the thing is, in the 90s, everybody was bringing their A-game. It wasn't where you would have like one hot song or two hot songs like the bulk of the album. Be fire. I mean, you guys mentioned portrait. You mentioned shy. You mentioned silk. You had after seven. You had troops deeper album, which is actually a very strong album that doesn't get a lot of credit. I mean, Steve Russell was yes, yep, like nineteen twenty. I no, probably early twenties at the time. And Steve was doing stuff like somebody twice his you know twice his age record was doing with production. So ninety two was just you know you're coming into puberty, as I was and all these love songs starting to make sense, you know, when you're going to the dances and you you really feel what they're talking about. And it was a time when, you know, your parents could listen to music you're listening to and it was all love. It wasn't, vulgarity. wasn't there yet.
0: It was still, you know, a good time to be alive. Amazing. So Tom and Ed, are you guys ready for the rookie of the year? Oh, I stay ready. One question, one question.
1: One more question for, um, for Derek. The Bobby Brown album cover was that considered vulgarity?
3: No, nah, not at all. I mean, I think that was just him being Bob. I mean, the stuff that he was, um, the stuff that he was doing, it was just Bob being yeah Bob.
1: I mean, Shopperace is probably a bit more vulgar than Bob was with his stuff. What was that? It was like half a shirt, though. I just I never really got it. I guess
3: if I recall correctly in the movie, I think it was like just the sleeves and his chest just out. And this is before he got the
2: Got
1: yeah,
2: no oh, shade back. Uh, yeah, yeah. back, yeah. It's, this is back, yeah.
1: This is back, so he had and a shirt with, with no back, and just I, I didn't know <laughs> I was, it's a shirt
2: with just the sleeves and the a neck. trendsetter. Trendsetter, gotcha.
0: Yes. It really caught on, yep. No, it didn't. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, let's get into the rookies of the year here, guys. I have the collage ready. I want you guys to let me know, you know, how this goes, Tom. I'll let you go first. I'm going to name the rookies. You let me know who you think had the best album. Yeah or just you felt like had the biggest impact. So Tom, Brian McKnight, Shantae Moore, Mary J. Blige, Silk, Shy, SWV, TLC, Jade, uh, the men we're not allowed to speak of in public announcement, Troop, or not Troop, sorry, uh, Immature. So of that group of artists, who was your Rookie of the Year?
1: Well, I'm going to go back to the rules we loosely follow, Ed, on every episode of if, if we pick you them as loosely a rookie, follow if we pick them as a rookie I'm not going to include them mm-hmm. in my top in my top three so I'm not going to say Mary J intentionally mm. I'm gonna go with silk actually because that wow. that they, they're deserving and I'm not and I think actually my top three are all rookies but silk is probably my my fourth best so there you go silk
0: Ed what about you?
2: First of all, I don't abide by Tom's rules, but (laughs) I will say that looking past that, my rookie, because I have to judge by what was going on in 92, my 92 brain. If it was 92, like I said, I remember that debut. I remember that video. I remember that moment on MTV that stuck with me all these years. Got to say Mary J. She was a game changer at the time. And you knew it. She was one of those artists that Some artists, you know, they start small, like an usher, kind of start and build to a big career. Mm. Mary came out the gate. You knew it was changing. You know the game was changing. Got to go with Mary for the rookie of the year.
0: What about you, Derek? 92. um,
3: I I think as a complete album, I'm probably going to get some side eyes, but for a debut, I'm going to go with Portrait, Mm. because that album was entirely... That album was entirely produced by them. Everybody sang lead, so I give credit to when you're doing it yourself. But as far as for the culture, it's, it's, it's got to be Mary. But yeah. my personal one is, is going to be Portrait.
1: Were you paid to, to pick that by one of our friends? I just... Oh my gosh. <laughs>
0: yeah, I just... is going to send you a DM very soon. Oh man. Uh, oh man. I can't, no, I can't. Portrait. yo, Derek, we were told by our friend Soulchild that Portrait's second album is one of the best albums of all time. Is this true? Of all time. For 95, yeah, and portrait that, that second Portrait album, again,
3: start to finish with the production, four lead singers, doing everything themselves, Yeah, portrait, doesn't get enough credit, especially right. Michael Angelo Salisbury. So right, yeah, top. I
0: hold Portrait of high regard. I'm going to go back and listen to that second Portrait album <laughs> if you guys are telling me <laughs> it's the best of all time. It's um,
2: good, but I don't know about that. But I will co-sign
1: co- co- it's very good. Okay. Ed, Ed, hold on, Ed, is Portrait a one-hit wonder? Oh, uh, I mean, don't, say, ask, don't say it like ask, that no but uh, no, I mean, ask, a, ask a random person name a portrait song they're probably right. going to
2: know one song I mean when we talk about and I talked about this before when we talked about like what determines what a one hit wonder is a lot of times we just kind of get mixed up they had one big like pop hit mm-hmm. so it kind of like seems like they should I hate to say it Well, Honey Dip did okay.
3: I wouldn't Mm -hmm. say they're, uh, let me interject. They're close,
2: dog. They're close.
3: I wouldn't say they're one hit because you you guys know that I'm an Air Force vet. So when I was overseas and I played an album track and I got the dance floor packed, that's how I know they're not a one hit wonder. And their biggest song is actually their cover of How Deep Is Your Love from '95. So Mm -hmm. that's actually bigger than, that was a big pop record for them.
2: So. But that was also big overseas. Like, that was, if yeah. we are talking yeah. U.S., their biggest was, like, you know, the Here We Go Again. But they did have other songs, but when we talk about, like, if we're judging it by pop, then they might be one hit. one. And that's no beef. I love Portrait. I'm not diminishing them by, by all, but mm-hmm. if we're looking like one big hit, they might be under my rules that I made when I did that one hit list a few months ago. Maybe mm-hmm. so. I never thought of
1: it like that, so I might be right. Hmm. Listen, Derek. If you go overseas, they'll tell you Horace Brown's uh, superstar.
0: <laughs> it's My different. God. No, it's uh, different over there. It's it's different. You can't. It is. I mean, North America, North America is fickle. Listen, we're we, ju- we're, we're just
1: joking. We we show all these say... artists love. Yeah, we show all these artists love, but they they tend to. Never mind. Keep it moving. You no, know, all right. Tom, well, I'm
2: trying to get you out of trouble, Tom. Tom's DMs going to be on fire after this show. Listen,
1: if it's you know, not you hate. know
2: what I'm talking about.
1: It's not hate. It's the fact that. You know, I was told that Horace Brown is a legend. I mean, he's made great music. He's not a legend. You know, it's just, it's not hate. Yeah. Can
2: Y'all I just told give, can
1: me that had a classic album, and I'm over here sipping my tea. That's, that's, that's
0: fact. Uh, can I just give you my Rookie of the Year? Yes, please, because <laughs> we all off track, though. I would say Mary J. Blige is the Rookie of the Year, but I would say... See, here's the thing. SWV with those big singles... And Week, like out of all the songs and artists that we're talking about on this podcast, Week might be that record that stands out above any of these other songs. For that alone, I really want to give him the Rookie of the Year, but I can't. Mary was a game changing album. So I'm sorry, ladies. Got to go with Mary on this one. <laughs> Competition
2: was tough, tough in 92. I'm just telling you. It's
0: mm-hmm. tough. Uh, now, let's get into our favorite three albums from 1992. Uh, how this works, Derek, is we each give out our number three. We rotate, number two, keep going, number one. So, Tom, what is your number three of this year?
1: I'm going to have to go with um, TLC's album. I really think it's underrated, underappreciated, and um, very strong debut. They've gone to become legends. And uh, I got to go back and revisit this one again because it deserves a few spins. So Mm -hmm. I'm going with that one.
2: Ed? Uh, Player, this is another very, very hard hard list to put together. I want to cheat and do two number threes because I hate to leave one off. If I must, if I must, I might have to go with SWV for my number three. Mm. But I really want to slide my boy Silk in there. I really want to slide my boys in there. So one of the two, two you know, choose one. Say SWV or Silk. Either Ed,
1: one. if you would have just simply followed the rules like I did, you could have had Silk at least mentioned
0: in the, yeah. in the rookie could have, of the year. They could have had something on their shelves. They could Ed.
2: have, but I don't <laughs> cheat like Tom does. They could have had some <laughs> hardware. <laughs> Calm uh, down. They'll get, Someone else will get love later on. You shall see. All right.
1: Uh, Derek, number three. Number three, I'm gonna say portrait's debut. Mm. So they got two pieces of hardware. <laughs> Impressive! Wow, well, I gotta uh, revisit that one. In all seriousness, I'm gonna revisit that one. No, you And should. their second album,
2: both are very good, especially the second. One.
1: Tom Can I a- just mentioned a comment from that I saw from our boy Shaquille Perry. Oh mm-hmm. boy, portrait, portrait is getting way too much airtime. Let's go back to the greats. Oh, light. come on! I'm sure
2: it. Had- but Shaquille is just mad that Aaliyah has not debuted yet, so we can't talk about <laughs> her anymore. Calm down, brother. We'll talk about her on another show.
0: All right. Well, my number three, I was going to give it to In Vogue, but because I see this album on my Twitter every day, I'm going to give it to the Sade album, the group Sade or the band Sade. It's tested, you know, it, it's lasted and uh, its legacy is still strong a strong album so Sade will be my number three Tom your number two I gotta go with
1: SWV mm-hmm. Um, amazing debut shout out to our boy Brian Alexander Morgan when I interviewed him last year to talk about this album you know he was so proud of the work he did on there and uh, it was great hearing the stories behind it so I love that one I still play that one so I'm going with that as my number two
0: Ed
2: Number two, I got to go with my girl slash group so I don't get yelled at by the um by the group police over here. Mm. Sade, <laughs> number two. I said earlier, I think this is her best album and she has a pretty flawless discography. I put this one at the top. So number two's from Sade.
0: Derek, what's your number two and you can't pick Portrait again?
2: <laughs> number, two.
3: <laughs> number two, just because it has uh, one of my favorite uh, songs from my favorite indie member—that's the More Money soundtrack, which we didn't talk about
2: mm, no, on the podcast.
3: That's a that jam, oh, and what? Lewis was on fire. The More Money soundtrack,
1: off the wall pick. Yeah. hold on—I gotta look this up right now.
0: Tom was not—he was, was not ready for that.
2: <laughs> no, that's uh, a good one. We didn't talk about that.
0: Trivia time,
1: Derek Dunn. Name every song in order on
2: the album. Oh, calm down. You
3: might well, be able first, to do it.
1: <laughs> the first one is the
3: More Money All Stars. The second one should be Luther and Janet. I'm not mistaken. We had MC Light on there, Johnny Gill, Ralph Tresman, Damn. Big Daddy Kane, Low Key, Mint Condition, Color Me Bad, Dialogue from the Movie, I think it's 25 songs with little pieces of uh, dialogue from the movie. Yep.
1: Wow. I got to revisit this one as well. Shout mm-hmm. out to Jimmy Jam and Terry Lewis. Yep. Yep.
2: Very New Jack Swingish joint. I remember that well.
0: So I guess it's my turn now for number two. Yep. I'm going to go with the Mary J Blige album it's not my favorite mary album um i gave i gave her rookie of the year because of the cultural impact but even though this album has a lot of great songs on it and it's a classic undoubtedly it's not my favorite album is it a five star album it i don't i think i think based on impact it has to be impact but, impact but when i listen to this album from top to bottom i don't think no. it's perfect perfect i think my life is a lot stronger but i mean number two is you still get the silver medal so yeah. number two will be mary j blige
2: no now, question i don't think it's five stars also i don't grade by impact i feel like that should be scored separately mm-hmm. i also don't give five stars for perfection because i can find something wrong with anything but i do agree it's very good but i give it four and a half I'm wait with
0: you. wait no that's there is a perfect album what's wrong with off the wall
2: <laughs> give me some time. I'll find something wrong with it. I did give that five stars, so.
0: yeah, Argument made. Yeah, Off the Wall is a five-star album.
2: Oh, no what? question.
0: No thriller, question. Thriller, I might, thriller I might have an issue with, but I think Off the Wall is five stars. I gave both
1: five stars.
0: Yeah. Wait, I'm, I'm seeing a comment. Mary's debut is better than Breakthrough. Who
1: doubted that fact? I, I must have missed <laughs> the comment somewhere. No, you,
0: you can't compare the two. That's like a 13-year difference.
2: No, you can't compare the two. Yeah. Yes is better than Breakthrough.
0: Yeah. Um, now before we get to our number one, as promised, it's the chicken intermission. Oh boy! <laughs> like, you thought I forgot about the chicken? Intermission. I did think
1: you forgot about yes.
0: This. So I have. I have to tell you guys a story before we get back to this this number one pick. I was <laughs> the at kids K- are
1: pissed in our comments here. Just so well, you know, go what ahead. They, what they say? <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. But they okay. will oh, keep going. <laughs> Anyways,
0: I was at KFC today, and I tried their uh, plant based sandwich tom has influenced me to try plant-based food there we and go ed smart guy ed derek that sandwich was not good
2: oh it was not good,
0: <laughs> it, was I thought not good. Say it was great it was not good at all it was dry literally i think the sauce is what saved that sandwich because it was not good did it see taste that's like chicken no that's cool. the key though when you're eating for health it's not going to
1: taste good you just got to drown it in sauce and not worry about the taste <laughs> But player, that
2: offsets the health.
0: <laughs> that's true. However, <laughs> I will say the one positive thing that came out of this is um, normally when I have a chicken sandwich from like Popeye's or churches, I feel like crap. This one actually made me feel okay. I didn't feel like See, dying there you after.
1: So. Yeah, there you go.
0: So that's your chicken intermission for today.
2: Well, Darius says he eats both boneless and bone in from the last podcast. Well, player, get all the chicken you want.
0: Mm-hmm. All right. Uh,
1: Derek, do you eat chicken? Of course. All the time. (laughs) What's your your favorite chicken? Uh, I don't know if he's a vegetarian or some weirdo like me when it comes to
0: food. Do you like your chicken skinless or skinned? Skinned. Boneless wings
3: all the way. Boneless wings? Yeah, boneless.
0: Aren't those just chicken nuggets? Wait, that's...
3: Well, technically, if you want to get technical, yes. Okay.
0: (laughs) (laughs) All right, all right. Can we proceed with our number one?
3: Right,
1: chicken is well overrated. Player. Damon Damon Dunn says chicken is overrated. I don't know where to go with that. I don't know where to go. We've had that
0: argument before. You can, that's not one. That's not one of those things that you can underrate or overrate. It's, I don't think so. Either. It's an essential commodity. Listen, like you, you either have it or Dave, you don't. <laughs> Damon Dunn is still drinking from his baby bottle. Leave that guy alone. All right. Uh
1: well,
2: number look, one.
0: 16 is probably something <laughs> in that bottle by now. I need to check. It. <laughs> All right. Number 1 album of 1992, Tom. Guys, you already know mine. But
1: uh in the last 15 minutes I've reconsidered. My number 1 is now Portraits, Self-Titled mm. debut album, guys. They did oh, it. They my got God. more hardware. Wow. Okay, the Fran I did it for for Overseas, guys. We got to represent. <laughs> what? I'm just kidding. I got to go with Mary J. Mm-hmm. What's a 411? No question. Classic. A couple skippable tracks, but impact wise, you got to love it. Ed?
2: Now, the last time we came to this part where I named number one, and I named the soundtrack, and everybody went nuts if I was left to my own devices, I might say that the boomerang soundtrack is number one, but to keep everybody from going nuts, yeah. I agree. Let's go with Mary. Let's go with what's the 411. As we said, I don't think it's her best, but for this moment in time, it's probably the most influential in this moment in time to kind of move R and B in another direction.
0: What about you, Derek?
3: Now with the age of- 39 just from a production standpoint my personal would be probably troops Deep" just because where i was at mentally when i really heard this album but now it's it's the the choice we have to be "Married" just for everything that mm-hmm. she did everything she changed and i'm gonna say it if i get hate, oh well but biggie's version of that remix to real love shits on a lot of people's entire catalogs that preceded.
0: Talk hey. about it.
3: Talk hey, about is, it. You
0: know. Hey, this is a but, PG podcast. You exactly.
2: <laughs> cut his <laughs> mic. No, keep it on. I love facts.
3: <laughs> Definitely Mary's album, though. You, you can't downplay Legacy and the impact of that album.
0: Mm-hmm. Speaking of which, Tom, I saw somebody wanted a Tupac versus Biggie versus.
1: Um, Yeah, that's going to be very live. I mean, how yeah. are they are going to play songs? I don't. That's going to be very
2: live. <laughs> pun intended. Tonight for that.
1: Pun intended. <laughs> yeah.
2: Oh god. And I another know. person who has passed on. Pun intended. Are they?
1: Are there children? Well, no, Pac didn't even have kids, so I can't say their kids will be playing the song. I don't. Yeah. It would be cool, but I don't know who would be able to pick the song. You know, it's
0: not right. That's true. Uh, my number one um, will have to be SWV. I think this is one of those albums from top to bottom that you can just play similar to the Mary album. But I just feel like that SWV album, like production wise, Coco sounds amazing on that album. And uh, Brian Alexander Morgan, one of the most underrated producers of the 90s. The work that he did with SWV on that Usher album on debut Usher album. And a lot of these producers, I'm not sure if Rodney's still in here, but, you know, a lot of these producers that have come up later, they look up to Brian Alexander Morgan. So I got to give him some love. And SWV is my number one for 1992. And that, my friend and friends, concludes our yearly recap on R&B. We've had long discussions about it. We will not be doing a 1991 and 1990 unless, I guess, we get paid to. (laughs)
1: <laughs> don't pay us well, to do it <laughs> we did a new jack swing edition some people forget yeah. Go back and revisit and we're on all streaming formats we yeah. did a whole new jack swing editions so we covered a lot of that
2: right and that's why it's kind of re- there's no need to retread that ground and as we talked about before in the future we will do a 1980s decade episode Ooh, not man, the individual years but we will do an episode on the 1980s to come at some point in the future not necessarily next week but hang tight. We'll have that soon.
0: Yep. And Music Scribe, we're going to get you on this podcast sooner than later. Um, so, guys, I think that's it for this week. Ed, what's going on with SoulAndStereo.com?
2: Man, SoulAndStereo.com. There were so many albums that we talked about this uh, this podcast that you can go check out. Go check out my album rankings. that You can see my thoughts on Sade, Mary J, Silk, SWV, TLC. I've ranked all those discographies. And pretty much all the albums we talk about this week, pretty high on the list. But as far as new content, check out my head to head with our girl, Nicolette. I don't think Nicolette was in the house tonight, but she sometimes is. But we went back and forth on her girl, her favorite, my girl, too, Tamiya. The best, I was going to say the best and worst, but Tamiya doesn't really have any worst, but her best albums, her best songs, her best Singles and we asked the question, why is she still so underrated all these years later? So mm. check out that head to head on Soul and Stereo. And I've got some new tricks coming in the next couple of weeks. So keep an eye on the site.
0: All right. Tom, you know I got soul. We've been putting out
1: a bunch of top ten lists. We revisit artist yep. discographies, try to pick out their best songs and whatever we felt like was overlooked or underrated. So kind of hand in hand with what Ed is doing, revisit artists. We kinda of look at their discography, pick their best songs. Um, and Ed, we actually were inspired and did a Tamiya one. So, um,
2: oh, this was up. I, I that. gotta,
1: I gotta read your article and see who you, which songs you guys pick, but yep. She's one of the best. And, um, Kyle, you did an interview recently.
0: Yeah, I did. I did one with Jay holiday last week. I think it was time just flies now, but yeah, I did one I with know. him. Ride is his new single. Go check out ride. Um, and soon I think we're going to be talking with Robin Thick speaking that into existence but i think that's happening he has a new album dropping in mid mid february he just dropped a new record with Pharrell. go check that one out and i think that one that that is it for this week's episode 1992 is done hold on hold speaking on. speaking of Derek done plug yeah, well there I, I, I had a segue I, to this <laughs> oh man
1: like it's a segue on cow yeah and now, now i've lost it
0: it was something it over <laughs> Well, I've lost it now. Reviews <laughs> re- reviews and done. What's going on with reviews and done, Derek? Uh,
3: same old uh more flashback album reviews on the pod on the uh podcast and throwback album reviews. Uh this week, this coming week, I reviewed a uh, Sean Levert's 95 album that people probably don't know about. Uh more movie reviews, uh reviewing Denzel's movie this week and some more. It's gonna be another busy week. Uh probably 10 articles this week. I think I don't know. I, I don't lost count. Derek, nice. I've
2: got to get back on the show. Derek and I did one of the first episodes of his podcast, but fate wouldn't let us be great, dog. And the episode never came out. So we need to redo that Keith episode sooner than later.
3: So did he get time on also to do an album?
2: We'll make
1: it happen, then. Hey, you, you, guys, can, album, sure. you guys can
0: do that portrait <laughs> album.
1: Tom, that would be <laughs> yes. your time.
0: Yes. <laughs> oh, boy. I can't <laughs> wait. <laughs> All right. Well, I think that's it for this week. 1992 is done there. That, that was what I was going to say. 1992 is done. Speaking of Derek Dunn, that was the segue, Tom, but you stole <laughs> my thunder. Well. So, good stuff. Uh, good I, tip, yeah. so, so we're finished for this week. We'll be back next week, hopefully with something else, but until then, everyone stay safe, wear your masks, wash your hands, don't hoard toilet paper and listen to good R and B. And not bad <laughs> RB. So, yeah. guys, we'll be back next week. So, you guys be safe and take care.
2: All right, Tyler.
3: all right.